what they are. But um, I really appreciate the men singing. I love hearing men sing. It's a, an art that's kind of gone away in churches, um, especially back east. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about my story here. But if you'll take your Bibles, turn to Psalms, chapter 50. We'll be our platform here. Um, I'm excited to preach. Uh, I don't get a lot of opportunities being an assistant. That's okay. That's not what God's called me to do. God's called me to be an assistant. I've been struggling in a good way um, over what message to preach this evening. Um, because I got a new message that's been on my heart, been working on it for a while, about being second, about being first. Everyone always pushes to be first. I want to win the race. I want to be number one in this world. But the churches in the United States and around the world need good second men. And um, we're lacking that in churches around the world. And I'm not saying I'm any, any good at that. I'm learning. That's, the Lord spoke to my heart about it. But I don't have liberty to preach it yet. I'm hoping eventually someday, and maybe in our church back home. But um, I'm going to preach this morning on um, what kind of issue do you have. I have two questions for you today. One this morning, one this evening. Two questions. You don't have to answer me publicly, but you need to answer God. Um, but what issue do you have? And this, morning, this evening's message will be another question. Um, but we're going to start here in Psalm 50. I'm going to read the verse, I'm going to pray, and I want to tell you a little bit about myself because who's this guy that's up here preaching to me? And I'd like to know too. Um, if I was in the service this morning. But um, let's pray. I mean, let's read a psalm. Psalm 50. Psalm 50, verse 15. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I'm thankful to be in your house this morning. Lord, I'm so thankful for the freedoms we have in this country still. And Lord, I thank you that we're able to, to meet and worship you. Lord, I pray that you get the glory in everything that happens today. Lord, I pray that you use this vessel. Lord, I pray that you just use your word. Pray, Lord, to keep my mind and my thoughts clear. Help me be focused. Lord, I pray that you just calm my nerves. Give me clarity of thought and speech. But Lord, I pray that you would use this message that you've given to me. Lord, everything's through you. That you would speak to hearts. Lord, decisions need to be made that they would be made and that they would be lasting. Again, I thank you for all you given to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Is there any water that I may get or anything like that? Sorry, I, I'll tell you a little story right there. I, I preached camp. It was my first message at camp. I'll tell you why I love camp so much here in a minute. But I was so nervous and so tired and, and so dry that I was losing my voice mid-preaching. And um, some people in the back were like holding out water. Like, do you need water? And I'm like focused because I'm just like, I'm out of my element here. <laughs> Preaching camp, thank you very much. So I always try to have you prepared because that happens again. It's not pretty. <laughs> thank you very much. I'll tell you about my name is Pastor Joe Renwick. I'm an assistant pastor. I've been an assistant pastor for several years now. Um, I'm from Pennsylvania. I've been lived there for 34 years. I'm 35 now. So this is my first time ever being out of Pennsylvania, living wise. Um, but we were there. I grew up um, in public school in, in the world. Uh, starting out with my family. My family, was, um, I love my parents, and they, they hate when I talk about them. So if this is live stream and they see it, they'll hate this. But, um, but they're such an inspiration to me, even their bad stuff that they did. I learned from them because they took that and they overcame it and became better Christians because of it. And I saw that transition in that movement. And then what happened was when we were, I was 12 years old, my dad decided some crazy idea to move to a church camp. And be a caretaker there. I don't know we have a caretaker here, but um, crazy idea because it, it was so out of his element. 
but he knew he needed um, a close relationship with God. He knew he needed that. And it wasn't about the camp, and it wasn't about he just needed to get away from the world and get down to a, a little church camp. And it was so neat because the camp was right above, it was like a valley, like it came down into a valley, but right above it was a um, little project kind of town. Uh, low income families all lived there, and it was right there. And then you just all of a sudden you just disappeared into a whole other world, and it was a camp. And there was hills and, and everything all, all outside, a little creek ran by it, and it was just beautiful. And we're down there, and the place is a mess from the beginning. And um, there were so many stories I could tell you, but my dad learned so much patience down there with God and with himself by working on toilets. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. That there were so many toilets down there and so many septic lines that were busted. We were just talking about this this morning, water lines breaking. And he just had to learn because he couldn't get mad because it's just him. And me as a 12-year-old and my brother was older. He was off to college. And, uh, and then I just remember mowing there. There were so many things that went on there. But camp, in my, I, I, I told your pastor this, I love camp. Camp is a big deal in my life, but all my major decisions in my life came from camp. And it's not because of camp, but it's because you get there, and if you, you guys have been to camp, you get there, and you're away from everything else. This world, the toil, the life, the struggle, and all the things, that the phones, the electronics, all that stuff, it's just gone. And you're away from it, and it, you have a whole week of it. So the next day, you're not even thinking about packing yet, or going home. You're just thinking about, I'm here, and all we got is God's word and God's man's preaching to us. And I'm here and away from everything. Everything just kind of slows down when I'm there. And so we're there and we're learning and we're hearing, um, hearing God's word being preached. I went to every, I was a social kid. I would want to meet everybody. So I went down there and I, I was at every camp, no matter what they were. At the, um, it's the camp where just, they, were, my, they weren't making any money. My dad, was, I have so many stories. I'm trying to, so I'm not too long. But um, my, my dad was like, we're not making any money here at the camp. We're just, just getting by. And he decided to go, we're going to go church to church. And he doesn't preach. He didn't preach there, but he said, we're going to sing. And I'm like, we can't sing, Dad. <laughs> uh, my mom can sing. But, so we went and we sang in front of the church, and then he would present the camp to them. And he had every week booked. Not because of him, but because of God's grace and God's mercy. He did that, and he provided, and the power of God just working through my dad. But he had to see all that, work through that. And the camp was booked every week. And we had... Um, there are churches of like faith and all that, but um, they're all different. You know that from meeting other churches, that everyone's different. We all believe the same book, and we believe the same doctrines, but we're all different in different aspects. Um, but I got to meet all kinds of things. And then I was playing football for public school, and I was going to public school, and um, someday I want to have liberty to, to say my testimony to um, a group of teens someday. I've been praying about it. Um, because. I haven't been through a lot of, of what I know hard people have been through and struggle with, but I've experienced a lot of things as a 12-year-old that I shouldn't have experienced. When I was going to football practice and I come home late from practice and they're having revival services at the camp, uh, not the camp, at the church near the camp my parents went to, and I as well. And evangelist Jim Parks was there and he was, he's a missionary to the Philippines now. But he was preaching and he was preaching on hell. And I'm in the back of the service trying to stay awake because I just had football practice. We've been having two days. And I'm falling asleep in my pads. Everything in the back, I smell. I, don't know, I sat alone by myself. But I'm falling asleep. And he gets to the end of the message. He starts preaching on, on hell and what salvation means and what it is. And I'm, I, I can't go to sleep now. 
I'm falling out. But I did not come forward to him that night. I'll come forward and ask somebody. I'm struggling with it. I go home. We're down at the camp. And he's staying down there at the camp as well. Evangelist is. And I go, and I can't sleep. I'm up in my room. I just got a shower. Miserable. And I can't sleep. I go running downstairs, run to my parents' room, jump on the bed. I'm 12 years old. I'm about this height at that time. <laughs> I jump on my parents' bed, and they're like, what? And I said, I, I need to be saved. And they're like, they're newer Christians. They didn't know what to do. But praise God. They're like, we know somebody who can help you. And they take me down to the, the evangelist down there. He's on the phone. The devil has so many ways to stop you from getting what you want, what you need from God. And He's on the phone, and he's and we're trying not to disturb him and everything. My parents said, we'll just wait till morning. And we go, I can't sleep. I'm like, I'm going to die right now, and I'm going to hell. I know it. As a teenage boy, your mind just starts imagining everything under the sun. The roof's going to fall in. The tree's going to fall over. We're going to have a flood happen. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'm dying tonight. And the evangelist comes up, knocks on the door, and says, I couldn't help but notice you guys are down there. Did you need something? My mom's like, yes. She calls me down, and he led me to the Lord that night at camp there. And, and following that, I'm telling my story now to um, how I got here to the West. Um, the next year, um, I can tell you another story about how I got into a Christian school after that. They came down through the camp again. I got, and I met my wife down there. We didn't marry her yet until I was only 13. For <laughs> <laughs> I met her for the first time. And, and then um, Pastor Scott Sins preached at a camp down there. First time I ever met him. And I actually surrendered my life to the call of the ministry. I didn't know what I was going to be yet. I didn't know I was going to be a pastor. And I just surrendered my life to the ministry. And he was a part of that. He remembered that and everything. And then he went off evangelism. And I didn't see him for a long time. But I um, also, like I said, I met my wife down But camp is very important to me. And if you know anything about, like I talk to people back east. I said I love camp because it's just, you get alone with God and you see teens that think of it distracted by every little thing. That's where the term ADD came from as a teenager. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. That's where that came from. And it's like, what's next? What's next? You've got to try to keep them interested when you're preaching, when you're teaching, and stuff like that, because I'm already losing some of them, I can see. But you take, okay, we'll go back to your Bibles now. But anyway, I'll, I'll come back to, sorry, how I got to Idaho. Um, last year, Pastor Sin's uh, stopped in. His, his mom still goes to our church back east, back there. And uh, he stopped in visiting his mom. And we're just talking. And I've worked in uh, juvenile detention center for 10 years, working with troubled youth. And I love working with kids, and especially with those kids because they have no hope. They work. They live in a um, four block radius in their in Philadelphia or wherever they are from the inner cities, and they never see outside that. So when they got taken to where I live, without the country. They were shocked and they're like, we didn't want to run away. We tell them stories all the time that people will shoot you if you run outside this building with shotguns. And we weren't joking because the community hated that place. But um, love working with them, work with them. And I'm talking to him about that. And he said, okay. And, and he laughed and he started praying about it. And they asked me if I would consider going out there. And I was, the story before that was I was talking to my pastor and I said, I, I, I'm already struggling with, but I think I need to go somewhere and be a pastor. I don't want to be a pastor. I, I praise pastors for um, head pastors, what I'm talking about. Um, because they have so much they struggle with. Please pray for your pastor. What they go through, um, unless you're in their shoes, you'll never understand. Um, I don't even fully understand what our pastor goes through. 
pray for them and their family because um, a lot of needs that they have that they won't tell you, but they need it. They need prayer. There's other things. Um, a message I want to preach um, shows second men throughout the whole Bible that were just there helping them. Not just the guys out of the ride, but there are other men there as well. There are unsung heroes that help the man of God. Um, I don't know why I got off track with that, but I can't. I said I, I want to be. I think God's moving me somewhere, and I prayed about it for three weeks, and I, and I said, you know, I'm just going to be content where I'm at. God needs me here. I'm going to be content. I'm going to serve God here. A week later, Pastor Sims calls and said, hey, would you consider praying about coming out to Idaho? I'm like, really? <laughs> I just said I'm going to be content to my pastor and be right here. And we prayed about it, and everything just kind of fell in line. I mean trying to find a place to live, and these are my landlords now. Um, everything just fell in line, and God bless. I'm trying to sum that up quickly. I'd love to tell you the story in full detail of how God just answered prayer after prayer of why we should be out here. Um, culture shock for us, um, being from where we are, because um, nearest Walmart is two and a half hours. Um, before, it was like 10 minutes down the road in three different ways to get there. And so... We're coming back to our Bible, coming back to the message here. Psalm 50, now that you know who I am, you can kick me out later. <laughs> Psalm 50, um, verse 15, says, And call upon me in the day of trouble. We all have troubles. We all have issues. What is your issue this morning? What is the thing you're struggling with? I'm not saying sin. I'm not saying anything. But we all have problems. We're humans. We have issues. We all deal with things, whether they're small in our eyes and big in other people's eyes. They're all issues we struggle with. So if you can take a moment with me today... If you would just forget about everything else that's going on. Forget about the football games, I know. Steelers don't play on Monday, so I'm good. So, but football games, forget out all the stuff. You have to go home, I have to make dinner. It'll still be there, don't worry. If it's burnt or not, it's still going to be there. Okay? You guys have restaurants like right here. It's different than in Chalice. But just forget about everything. Just kind of just think about what can God help me with this morning. You're struggling with an issue. And we're actually going to go to our main text here in a minute, um, but I want you to look at two other texts before we get there. Deuteronomy chapter 4. What's the issue? And we should be able to go to God for all issues that we have. All issues that we have. But I want to show you something here that I'll tell you a story here in a minute, an illustration about camp. Again, maybe don't bring up camp so much in the service, but I, I know you guys own a camp, so I'm so happy that you guys do. Maybe I'll run one. Um, or it's my the undertaking that, that inquired because we considered doing that back east and it was just too much for our church to handle and this what the, what the Lord would want. But uh, Deuteronomy 4, verse 30, 29, God's not hiding from us. I want to let you know that. If anybody can play hide and seek, that would be God, but he's not hiding from us. But from thence, in verse 29, thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. If you want to find God, you can find him. He's not hiding from you. We used to play a game at camp, the last night of camp, where we would play hide and seek. Um, it started out actually as um, as a joke between counselors and campers that you snuck out, we would we would find you throughout the week. We didn't want them to, because we know everything happens after dark. Never good, no matter what it is. But if they did, they would be punished for it. And we call it shake and bake. Uh, what that is, is you take them, the person, throw them in water, take them back out, roll them in the sand there by the water, and then send them off to bed. Like that. You don't clean them back off. 
So they wouldn't do it anymore. Anyways, we realized that they kept doing this as a fun game, and we're like, we're gonna put a stop to this. So the last night will let you go for about an hour, and if you survive, you win bragging rights for the next year. And if you didn't win, you got caught, you'd be brought back to the campsite where all the counselors were, had the fire there, and you would be tortured in different ways. <laughs> By many things, I remember that. Um, there's a story there, how they first met me, that was, I wasn't very good. But um, anyways, they would be sought, and we'd seek after them. Well, the first year we did this, that I remember as a camper, they had paintball guns, the counselors did. They were serious. You sneak out, you're gonna be shot with a paintball gun. And many of them were. And they get hit, and they're like, oh, ow, that hurt. And they'd stop, and they'd be like, all right, take me back. And they'd, they'd zip time. I was like, it was a, it was a whole deal. <laughs> they don't do this anymore. Um, afraid for lawsuits and stuff. But um, they would take them back, zip tied, back to the camp. You're a prisoner now, and all this, this is a big ordeal. And um, one kid ruined it. There's always that one kid that ruins the paintball. And he thought, I could just, I'm just going to keep going. They never said you had to stop if you got shot. And he got shot, shot, and shot, and shot. And we had a kid from the inner city that never handled a paintball gun before, and he was a counselor. And he had a full auto paintball gun. And he didn't realize that if you let go of the trigger, the gun stops. And he's just, the kid's on the ground, and he's just holding the dog. He goes, I don't know what to do, what to do. And he says, let go of the trigger, he goes, oh. After he's already been lit up for 100 shots. <laughs> the kid was fine. Big welts all over him and everything. He was fine, he was, he was cracking up about it. His mom was not happy. <laughs> that ended that. But at hide and seek, your goal is to find the person hiding, right? God's not going to be hiding from you. We think that, oh, I must find God's will in my life, which you do. But God's not saying, hey, I got your, the will for your life out here. I'm going to hide it over here in the woods or in the mountains. Yeah. You got to go look for it. No. He has. He goes, I'm willing. I want to show you. I'm right here. I'm not hiding from you. And let's go to Mark. Five. We're, we're going to stop. Um, we'll have some, a few other verses here, but the main verse here, what is the issue? I want to, the main, where I got the title for this is the issue of the blood that the woman had here. And I only got two points, and one deals with the Christian and one deals with the sinner, but if you look at them both, they're both, we're sinners in every right. But Matthew chapter, Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, the issue of the blood here. Kind of give you the background of the story as we go through it, but um, Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. This is talking about Jesus. And he saw him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lie thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. That's the beginning of the story here. First, Jesus just shows up right at Jesus' feet because I have a promise. It's a big deal. If we had any issue with our children, we would do the same thing. We seek out something that we know would work. If we had to go any lengths of the country. We would go there. We would do that for our kids. And this guy is a big deal. He's a he's a um, top notch guy. He's a high high end guy. And he comes and he lays and he falls down at Jesus' feet. That was a big deal for him to do that. Fall down at Jesus' feet. He was willing to do whatever it took. For his daughter, but that's not what we're talking about today. There's a whole big story there because the next verse goes in right while that was going on. I just want you to know that's going on, and all the people start to come because they knew who Jerry's was. 
In verse um, 24, and Jesus went with him. He was going, yeah, I'm going to go with you. And people followed him and thronged him. When they thronged him, that means that it was a lot of people. Did you ever see um, in Japan the Tokyo walkway? The, all those people, the biggest walkway, the crosswalks for the cross. And it's like a horde of people, and then they cross this way, and they come through there, and all the traffic stopped all around that. That's amazing in itself. But if you look up a video called Train Pushers, that's amazing. That they love, I want to do this so bad. It's one of my bucket list things. What they do is they, they, they have to get to work on time in Japanese culture. They have to, if they do not get to work on time, they will be fired from the first. It doesn't matter. By any means necessary, you have to be at work on time. So these subways pull up and line up there. And there's these guys in there with their hats and everything in their suits, and they're all standing there. And everyone's lined up to get on these on these cars. Once the people exit, everyone's lined up to get on the subway. They're, they're tight, close like this. Then they're all getting on, they're piling in. They're coming in, they're coming in, and it starts to look like there's no way you can fit any more in there. Then those guys with the hats and the suits, they come up, they're called train pushers. They come up and they push on those people to squeeze them into these subway cars. And you see them, they're like linebackers. They're coming in, they're pushing, they're squeezing them in, and there's people up against the glass like this. <laughs> That's unbelievable. That's what the thronging here is happening. There's people just banging against each other. And I said, I want to go do that because I'm a six foot three American. <laughs> Standing there, and I want to say, "Hey, come push me!" I'll be last in line and see if they can get you on. But um, the people were thronging Jesus there. They're they're like because they heard the stories, they heard the miracles. We we gotta see this, just like Zacchaeus said, "I gotta see Jesus." They're like, "We gotta see what's going on." So they're they're probably believers because, or uh, if not, they practice Ju uh, Judaism, and they were there and they were seeking out what this prophet, this master, um, would do. And are seeing him, they're thronging against him. And then we start to hear about another woman here, a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years. I'm not going to go into detail what that is, but she had an issue, a medical issue that was not curable by anything. She had it for 12 years, and she struggled with that. That's a long time. You struggle with anything, just a headache, let alone, we know, I know somebody that struggles with a headache all the time. Uh, it's a pastor's wife. And you imagine struggling with that for 12 years. Or just even a um, anything you struggle with. You struggle with that for 12 years. That's a long time mm -hmm. to struggle with something. And she did. And she knew what she did. She wanted help. She wanted relief from that. And the next verse says, And had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. The beginning of that verse there says, And had suffered many things of many physicians. She went to doctors and suffered worse. They poked, they prodded. They did whatever they could to, they're probably trying to help her, but you know how many physicians are, I don't say nowadays, but back then they're probably just like, give me your money. I'll do it with my best. We'll see if we can do it. We don't have this cure, but we'll try it. We'll take your money. I got this new experimental thing we can try. We'll try it out, but it's going to cost you some. They took advantage of it. That can happen. When you go, you're struggling with something, and we'll get there in a minute. But um, she lost all of her money, and, and everything just got worse. She already had this issue that she struggled with for 12 years, and she's going to doctors, she's seeking help, anything that can work, and, and she's worse off after it. That's awful what she's dealing with. And I love this next verse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Now picture this woman, frail, issue of blood, she saw Jesus. Maybe she was up on a mountain. Maybe she was up on a hill. And she sees the crowd thronging around him. And she sees Jesus. 
She forgets about everybody else that's going on. And she sees him. And she goes, I need to get to him. That's what she's thinking in her mind. She doesn't think of, well, I'm old, I'm frail. Or I'm going to crawl through all these people's legs. Uh, maybe I have to take a machete down and just whack these people as I get to him. No, she just goes, I got to get there. I don't care how it happens. I got to get to him. Because I know what he has done. I know. I've heard. I've heard of him. There's been rumblings through the crowds, and there's been gossip like, talking about him. Even if it's just a sliver possible, I gotta get to him. And she did. She's in there. She's getting banged around, getting pushed around, and she comes up and she just gets the hem of his garment. That's all she goes. I just need to touch him. I just need to be with him. I just need to get up there and just touch him. That's it. And she did. She's probably beaten, battered, tossed to, who is this woman? Like, why is she coming through here? She's pushing through. She's giving noogies and, and pinching people. Maybe I don't know. She's just trying to get there. She gets there, and she just touches the hem of his garment. But she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. The issue of the struggle in our Christian life. We struggle with things, don't we? We're Christians. We, we, we're saved. We're going to heaven. We have Jesus on our side, and the Holy Spirit lives inside. Amen. But we're still human, and we still struggle. We still suffer from things of this world. And I don't know what your issue is. I don't know. I have issues myself that I struggle with. Um, music is a big deal with me um, because I grew up on it. I grew up studying the wrong kind of music. Just for fun. I loved it. I enjoyed it. I loved uh, who the musicians were, where they came from, what their songs meant. Now I've switched that to uh, hymns and psalms and spirits, like learning about that, where they came from, and studying that. Um, my dad and I did that transition together. It was uh, really awesome to see. Um, but that's my issue. I, hear, I go into a store, I hear a song, I know that song, I know who the artist is, I know who plays it, I know where it came from, what era. I just, I just know that in my head. That's Satan trying to stop me from doing that. That's just one of my many issues, my wife would say. <laughs> but we see, if you, as, if you put yourself in the woman's shoes, if you struggle with something for 12 years, who knows what the issue is? The years have gone by, and you just keep struggling with it. And, and you, I'm like, I just want to, I keep giving it to God every Sunday. I'm not saying you're getting saved every Sunday, but you're giving that thing, and then you go back and just struggle with it again all week. You give it back to Him, and you struggle with it again. I, just, I can't get over it. But have you really sought? Jesus, have you given every ounce of it over to him? She did. She's like, I don't care what happens. I don't care how hard it is. I'm going to get to him and let him do it. Let him heal me. If I can just get a sliver of what he can do for me, it'll save, it'll, it'll, it'll save all the heartache and everything. It'll, it'll conquer that. And you know what? Jesus wants us to seek him. He wants God wants us to seek him. Um, and you need to deal with that issue. And if it, if you keep your finger here, but go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. God wants us to seek Him, especially when we're weak. He wants to seek him when we're strong too, but when we're weak, he really wants to seek him because he gets the glory in it all. And he gets to work in our lives. And he said, verse 9, and he said unto me, My grace 
is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in the infirmities, and reproaches, and necessities, and persecutions, and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we are our weakest moment, is when we usually turn to Christ, isn't it? When our weakest moment. It shouldn't be that way. But that's usually what we do. But sometimes, as Christians, what do we, or as human beings, in, a, in our flesh, and our carnality, we, we seek out help in other means. Let's think of a financial need. If you have a financial need, what do you immediately do? Well, I gotta work more. I gotta seek out this. I gotta get a better job. I gotta quit this job, get a better job. I gotta work overtime, but then you're taken away from your family, and you're taken away from all these different things, and you never sought God in it. You're just like, I'm, I'm just gonna go do it on my own. That's a financial burden, maybe. But you never go, Lord, what would you want me to do? What do you have for me? Um, because he puts us in those situations to show, hey, you still need me. I, I think of um, a, a family member in my life, and I think, uh, he's not going to get it. He's not going to, and I love him, and I want him to know who Jesus is, and I want him to be saved. But I think he needs to be brought down to his lowest point to realize that, hey, he can't do it. When the, the world ends and everything, and, he's, and judgment day, it's going to be real then. But, if you got brought to his lowest, I always say, if you get brought to your lowest point, sometimes God's got to bring us down to the bottom of the barrel. You know why? Because there's only one place to look, and that's up. Sometimes you got to do that to people. And I pray that never happens to me or it happens to him, but sometimes that's needed because he knows when you're weak, and he, he is shown strong through that. God is. Um, back into Mark chapter 5, I want you to see that when you do come to him, he doesn't always answer it how we want either. Sometimes we have a prayer request, we have an issue, we have a, a concern, or um, maybe it's just, maybe you're even struggling. Um, I know a few teams that, in our church that are struggling with the call to preach. Amen. But all you got to do is surrender your life to him. Let him just work it through. There's no need to rush now. I got to go to Bible college. Well, you're 14 years old. You're good. Just calm down a minute. <laughs> I know you want it and you desire it. It's great to desire the office of the bishop. Just calm down. Let your life surrender to him. I tell him that that's the issue you're struggling. That's a struggle. That's a problem. That's something you see turmoil over. I know with my call, I was two years in the Bible college and I said, nope, I'm done. And I went off to, um, I didn't quit the church or anything like that, but I'm like, God's not calling me. I, I really, I'll always look ahead to things and I, I and I, because um, I was looking at being a pilot, I'm like, that's a huge responsibility. I could kill all those people in that plane. <laughs> if I do that, I'm not flying. I, I could mess up. Just look at my frailties. But I looked at the office of a pastor, and I'm like, I don't want to do that because the responsibility that a pastor has. And so I, I stepped out and I went to um, uh, community college there for a year because I still wanted to get a degree in something. I, I knew that was important, and um, I wanted to get a degree in um, computer science. And I went there and I went for a year, and God, on the way home one day, just slapped me across the face. Basically, it felt like. And said, what are you doing? What is your issue right now, basically? Like, what, is, what is stopping you from what I've called you to do? And I'm like, Lord, it, it, I'm selfish. I want an easier life. I don't want that responsibility put on me. That was my issue. I struggled, and, that, and that was a good thing to struggle with. I was, I was telling the team, back, I said, it's a good thing to struggle with. If you're struggling with it, struggle with it. But don't leave God out of it. 
Don't go to the self-help books. Don't go to all these other things, the other, oh, the internet. That's the worst thing you could ever do. Don't go there. Don't look for everything. Don't go to your parents for that kind of thing. That's between you and God. Then go to your parents afterwards once you decide that. Because a lot of times we see preachers that are what? Mama called, pastor called. We always hear that all the time because they're not called to God. They're called of somebody else. We don't want that. We want you, hey, you're struggling with that? Just seek out God. He's not hiding from you. Get along with him. Get along. That's another thing I like. I told you about camp. I said you get along with God. Look at Moses. Moses had to get along with God. Look at Elijah. He had to get along with God. They had to seek God on the alone time to realize that he's real in their lives because they had to get away from all the distractions. In Elijah's case, he had to get away from the evil, ugly lady of Jezebel. I love the uh, book of, of Kings there. Um, anyways, God doesn't always answer how we want. If you look back here in, in verse 33, here, oh no, 31, 30, sorry, 30. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, this would be us if we were following Christ too, because I never knocked them for this. Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and thou sayest, who touched me? Jesus, what are you saying here? Who touched me? You realize everybody's touching you? I, 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 Peter and Elijah are my two favorite, and Peter is always the one that gets his, his foot in his mouth all the time. Now, I picture him probably being the one to say it because, really, guys, we're all touching him. We're actually probably being a bodyguard to you, and we're shuffling through the crowd trying to keep the people off you. And you're saying, Who touched me? And then, because Jesus knew, and that's one of the thing here that I said, if you don't answer how we always want him to, so that woman came in there and she just wanted to touch the garment, and she wanted to slip away. She just wanted to be healed. She didn't want recognition. She didn't want anything else. She said, I just want to be healed. I want this turmoil, this struggle I'm dealing with to be over with. Lord, just deal with it. But Jesus said, that's not how it's going to work. He looked back and he said, who touched me? And she just wanted to slip out. He, he could have let her. He could have done that. But he wanted to say, who touched me? And he said, in, disciple, um, in verse 32, he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. And you know what? She didn't realize that she, she came there. She goes, I just want to be healed from this. I just, even if it's just a little bit of relief for a little bit of while, I'll just come to there and I can just have a good day for once. I don't have to struggle with this. Maybe she was thinking that. But God didn't do that. He completely healed her, completely above and beyond anything that she could ever imagine. You know how I know that? Because the next verse says that. and says, but the woman fearing and trembling, she wasn't scared of Jesus, but she knew what happened in her life. Knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him everything that happened, told him all the truth. Because I was completely healed. Everything's new. She probably looked more alive. There's probably blood flowing back into her face and everything. She's probably just radiant from what God just had done to her. And all she did was touch the hem of him. And he looked at her and said that. He goes, and she came and told all the truth and said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Wow, what an amazing answer. She didn't see that coming. She sought relief, and but God completely healed her. We expect a great miracle to happen all the time, don't we? We expect a great miracle. They were all there, all those believers, all the people were thronging with Jesus because they were there because of Jerry's daughter, right? They were there to see that. Like, we're going to go, we're going to go with them, we're going to see a great miracle happen, cured of sickness, and in the midst of all that, this woman issued a blood. For one thing, she was ostracized from her community. When they had the issue of the blood that she had, nobody wanted to know. 
Nobody wanted, nobody knew what she was, what lifestyle she had. She was just kind of one of the outcasts. And so no one really cared and paid attention to her, but Jesus did. Jesus wanted to be there with her and see her and let her come in and touch the garment. But we expect to see a great miracle happen, a beautiful miracle. We're going to see that, but sometimes God's in the little things. I know little answers to prayer. I always thank God for them, and I share them with my kids because it's so important for them to see that God's in the little things. Because you, on the other side of it, devil is in the little things too. And God's just as much in the little things as well. And that's a whole other message. But what issue is stopping you from surrendering your life to God? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You said surrender. That means I have to be a pastor or a missionary or a missionary's wife. No. That just means surrender to God. That doesn't mean I'm quitting. That doesn't mean I'm giving up. That means, Lord, whatever you have for me, I will do. If I'm going to be a layman in a church, you realize laymen in the church are very important. Because where would the church be without laymen? You think about it, we're all pastors with no one to preach to in that aspect. Being a layman in the church is very important. Serving on the bus route, serving in the ministry, serving wherever it is. I always say, I've said this in several messages, I said, the person that cleans the bathrooms is so important. You never recognize them until you're out of toilet paper. <laughs> think about that, huh? Then you're like, they're super important when you're in there. Everybody that serves in ministry is very important. And just, but you got to start with surrendering. And what issue is stopping you from surrendering your life to God? Nothing stopped that woman. She had to get every aspect. She had to go out in public with all those people and to see that. And see what God was going to do for her. Now the other side of it is, let's look at else the Christian side of it. If you're a Christian, what you're struggling with. But maybe you're here today and you've never even heard about Jesus. Think about that. Whenever you first got saved, you probably came in and you were thinking, what is the issue here? And then you hear about the gospel, and you hear about Jesus saved you, and he died on the cross for you, and you're like, wow. But then you, you see all those people that just kind of just leave and never go and accept it. Because they're not willing to get to Jesus. They have to take that step. We're going to go to a few verses of scripture here. Uh, Romans 3. Very well-known portion of the scripture here, but key in every person's life. We see that so many times today. So, I mean, dealt with it back east a lot. We had a lot of Catholics back there, a lot of other religions that we dealt with that tried everything under the sun like the woman did. She tried every physician. They try every religion. They try everything that makes them feel good. But you realize, if you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart, you have a hole that you can't fill. But this world will try everything to fill it. Money, drugs, alcohol, other religions, people. They try to fill it with whatever they have. I'll have the biggest family, and my family will fill my life. Praise God for families, but that's not what's going to get you to heaven. That's not going to give you that peace that passes all understanding. And that's what that woman, she gets, there's nothing working with me. And a sinner comes in here and there's, like, there's nothing in this world that is it's fulfilling. Even those rich people out there that have everything that you can imagine. Even Donald Trump, that the world praises. And, 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 and um, he has everything he can imagine. If he's not saved, he has no peace. 
That's why I keep buying and buying and buying. And I keep trying to find that thing that will fulfill it. That's why the drug addict needs that next hit. Seeing that when the, the kids are coming off a juvenile detention center, they're, they're coming off, they're, um, they're detoxing. And it was just, they were abnormal. They're like monsters almost. I mean, they're already a teenager, so we know they're monsters. <laughs> but now they're coming off this detox, and they're a whole other animal. But when they come back to their right mind, they're like, this is the same kid. They still have <coughs> that, that they need. Romans 3.23 verse, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we know everybody has that problem. Everybody has this issue in this world. We all have sinned. I sinned. You have sinned. Everybody has sinned. No matter who you are, every pastor has sinned before they got saved. And even after they got saved, guess what? You still sin. It's a thing. We're human. I'm not, I didn't be honestly, I didn't just, just become perfect. Not about you. I pray, I wish I would have. But I also say that if God didn't save me to serve, he would have taken me to heaven right away, too. He would have no use for me. But he has a use for us. Romans 6, all have sinned. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we know the wages of sin is death. Another common verse there. Let's go on one more verse here. Uh, in 1 John. First John. Keep passing it. First John <clears throat> chapter one. Eight through ten. <clears throat> we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We've met I've met those people. I've not sinned. I said, that's your first one then. Congratulations. You lied. <laughs> and we've all sinned. I said, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and should just forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I don't know about you, but I don't want to make God a liar. I don't even want to say he's a liar. So we've all sinned. So we, we acknowledge that. We acknowledge that she had an issue of the blood. She had an issue that she dealt with. She acknowledged that. She goes, I have an issue. I have a problem. Yeah. Where's my cure? Mm -hmm. I need to find it. And she started seeking in the wrong areas. Yes, but she was seeking. She was searching. I need help. I need it. And this community that we all live in, no matter where it is, it's in Ogden, it's in Chalice, wherever it is, they have a need, they have an issue of the blood. You think about the blood of Jesus. They need that. <clears throat> but they're seeking it. It's, it's amazing to me that everybody is seeking something. And when they come, or they hear about the gospel, they hear about the word of God, they listen, and they're like, is that really true? Is it really? That could do it? And sometimes it turns people off, doesn't it? It's too simple. Too easy. Yeah. I gotta pay. I gotta pay. I gotta get like the Catholics. I gotta pay money. And then maybe I'll get to heaven. Even their, their priests say that. They say, if you pay enough money and you do enough penance and all these things, you might get to heaven. I praise God that we know we can get to heaven. I'm 100% sure. I don't have a hope so. I don't have a might. Salvation. But this world, they know. They can know. Every time you see somebody on the street, you should be able to look at them and say, you can know. 
100%. Look at them because uh, I've heard messages on they're, just, they're waiting for someone to come and tell them. And God's going to send somebody to them. And this is just a side, side pill preaching here. But uh, someone's going to send somebody to them. I want it to be me. Well, that's prideful. No, I want to be used of God. Because he's going to use somebody. And as a message that I preach on being a vessel of God, he's going to use a vessel. You're on the shelf and you're dirty. He's going to look at you and you go, you need to clean that up. I'll put you in the dishwasher and it's going to hurt a little bit. So I'm going to use this vessel over here. I don't want to be passed up by God. I don't want to be passed up. I want to be used with him because and then I realized when, when witnessing the people and then actually eventually leading someone to the Lord, it's not done by me. For one, I'm going to get that out of the way. That's all God doing that. He's just using me. But I get to be a part of that. Yes, they, they're, they're gloriously saved and they're, and, they're, and they're so happy and then it's all about them and God. But you get to stand back and go, Lord, you did that. And I got to be there for it. Thank you so much for just letting me be there. Because you get to see that the joy that happens and that relationship that you two all have with that is important too. I'll never forget the evangelist that led me to the Lord. We, we've, we've talked a lot when I was younger. Now that he's gone, he has a lot of issues with his... Um, his son was in a car accident and, and stuff like that, so he's a lot more busy now. He takes him with him to the Philippines and he's paralyzed and everything. He takes care of him and his wife died and a lot of things, but, he, but he's still serving God. He's still being used of God, no matter what his problems may be. And we used to talk a lot because I loved that he was there for me. And my parents were too, but they um, we're still, we still talk to Don't worry, my parents and I. But, um, being there with that relationship. You get to be there. I'm not saying you should go out there and just start pounding people and say, you need to be saved so I can have that joy. <laughs> no, but God wants to, he puts us, he doesn't just save because he could do it. He's God, he does the impossible. He could come and meet that person and they can get saved without any of his help. They can have the word of God because the word of God can speak for itself. They can read God's word and they can be saved, yes. But he gets to use us too as planting the seed planting the gospel, watering it, and then reaping it. And that's another thing, too. You don't always get to reap it. For that, um, we just had Brother Garraway at our church. And he told a story. I'm not going to tell because it's a long story, but I'm a little, little white-haired man in Australia. And it just spoke to my heart because the guy would stop people in the streets, and he would witness to them and give them a track and say, are you sure? Do you know for sure where you'll spend eternity or in some of that aspect? Are you saved? Kind of thing. The person would take it and would, and would leave, but there was a pastor in, in England that kept getting people coming from Australia that were saved, and they always told the same testimony. And he'd preach out, and this is a long time ago in the 1800s, I think. And he would preach out somewhere else, and he'd preach somewhere else, and he'd preach somewhere else, and he kept hearing all these stories about this white haired man in Australia that would just be giving out tracts. And eventually, after years and years, he went to Australia in that place, and he met that man, he was about to die. He was so frail and so old, and he told him all the stories. And the guy just started weeping. He said, I never heard one story back from all the gospel tracts I gave out to people. And he said, you never got to hear it. You never got to reap it. But he sowed all those seeds. And that's something we can do, if nothing else, is sow the seeds for future generations, as long as the Lord carries, they will reap from it. They will, because God's word never returns void, no matter what. His word will never return void. It says that in scripture. But this woman sought out those. And maybe you're here today and you don't know for sure we're going to spend eternity when you die. Maybe you don't know. 100% sure. I know 100% sure. But I can't know 
for you. Anybody here? I can't know that. Only it's between you and God. But he gives you that peace. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and repent of your sin, he gives you that peace. And she had that peace. You saw it on her face. She feared God and trembled, not out of, I'm scared of what he's going to do next. But she's like, I can't believe. When you got saved, you just were in awe. I was, at least. I was weeping. I was a teenager. And I woke up the next morning, and I was like, what is this? And it wasn't just about the feeling, but it was about the peace that God's word. And I was a young young kid that had no idea about anything. And I turned around, and I just kept doing the same stuff I always did. But I had a, now I had the Holy Spirit inside me. It was like, this isn't right. And I was miserable from those things. But when I woke up that next morning, I realized something was different. This is real. And God is real. And she realized that. And she touched God. And that's something we can do today. And you know there's one thing here. There was a huge crowd around him. And that, that's one aspect I just saw the other day was this huge crowd was around him. Of people that were believers. But there was only one woman that was seeking him. They just wanted to see what he could do. But she wanted desired to be healed and have a relationship with Christ. And so don't be a part of those believers that just <clears throat> hang around and just, I can't wait to see the next big thing. But no, have a relationship with God. Seek to be with Him. And seek to be with God and want to desire to be with Him and have a relationship with Him. Be healed of Him. Any struggle you're dealing with, because there's going to be another struggle after you deal with that struggle. It's just the way life is. And keep having that relationship with Him. And she desired to see Him. She sought the truth. And she also told all the truth. You know what that happens too? Whenever you ask God to come in your heart and repent of all your sin, you just kind of like, I got a lot to work on. And she's like, I got a lot to work on, Jesus. And she starts, it says in that verse there back in Mark 5, when she was in fear and trembling, 33, and done and came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. She's not ashamed of what her life was like. I've met a lot of people, um, especially kids that are ashamed of what they did, and they should be ashamed of the sin and the lifestyle they're living. Like, I can't, I can't do that. You don't realize what I've done. I've heard a lot of that too. God can't save me because I've done too far gone, too far away. You realize he saved Paul? And he murdered who knows how many Christians, good people, he murdered them. And God saved him, used him for the ministry tremendously because he surrendered and gave his life to God. But sometimes people will say, I can't do that. You don't realize my situation. No, I don't. I don't. And your pastor maybe knows more than I do about your situation or maybe just hiding it. It's just between you and God. But God can't do that. He can't help me here. It's too hard. Then you're limiting God there. That's scary. Because God's not limited. He's limitless. You can do whatever you think. It, it go. That woman did not realize that he could do that. She had an idea. And she's like, I've tried everything else. Let's try this. I'm not saying that's what you should do here in, in, um, in the church here. It's just go, I'll just try it. No, if you're going to do it, do it wholeheartedly. Because God will do it. So I've seen it happen. I've seen God change lives. And you, when he saves you, your trouble is not all gone. It's all forgiven. And you have that victory in Jesus. You don't have to work on things. But it might become known to people. Uh-oh. 
Uh-oh, people are going to be noticing things. This is, and I know, if I know um, the pastor well enough, and I know his family well enough, that um, they love God, they're not going to go, oh, how dare you? No, they're going to welcome you. And that's the way it should be. Jesus welcomed them. Jesus welcomed the maniac of Gadara and went to him. Everybody hated him and was scared of him. What was he doing? And they welcomed He welcomed them. He loved them. He said, let's change this. You're desiring a change and you're desiring God to work in your life. Your life will be changed. He can do that for you. Don't worry about other people think. We're just humans. We're going to be gone soon. Life is but a vapor. But God's eternal. That's the one I should be worried about. That's the one I should be thinking about. That's the one I should be um, what do you think about this, Lord? How, how should I go about this? I shouldn't be going to the, the, a, um, a book or um, Oprah or anybody like that or Dr. Phil and say, how can I fix this? No, we should be going to God for that. And Jesus could have just, um, again, Romans 10, 10, confess of your mouth as well as your heart in Romans 10, 10. But I want you to know that also that in 34, he said unto her daughter, go with thy faith that made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. You think about it, sin is a plague on our life. When you become saved and you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, you're full it happens. It's not, well, maybe it happened. Or I only got half that now and then it'll be fulfilled later. You got everything right now. It's made whole. He heals completely. Jesus said, I'm going to save you. And he asks you and you accept that gift of eternal life. And he heals it completely. You get all of it right there. You don't have to pay money afterwards. The works and stuff and all that that says in the Bible is not talking about salvation. It's all about after that. After salvation. That's another subject, but if that's something you're struggling with this morning, maybe you come here and you don't know, I just, I've, I've, maybe I've done that before. I'm not saying that you um, did it wrong before. But I always, when I lay my pillow down, I lay my pillow down my head at night. When I lay my head down on my pillow, I always ask God, am I truly saved? Oh, you're a pastor. How'd you do it? He gives me that peace. Because everybody struggles with that. Yeah. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been saved. I've been saved for 40 plus years. You can never lose it. Amen. You can't ever lose it. But as a human being, I'm like, did I really do it right? Yes. Like, what happened? And you get that peace when God's like, yeah, you're a child of mine. Don't worry about it. Let's move on. Because it gets you closer to God again. If there's something you're struggling with, don't hesitate to ask God about it. <clears throat> ask your parents about it mm -hmm. as well. I met a couple kids already this summer that were, <coughs> excuse me, were pastor's kids that are struggling with salvation. They're like, oh, they're pastor's kids. It doesn't matter. They're still kids. They're still human. They're struggling with that. And I was like, get along with God. Ask him. If you're still with that, get with your parents. Ask them. I can't say go to your pastor because your parents are the pastor. But um, get along with God. Find out. But maybe you've never heard that this morning. Maybe you're just new. I don't know. You're all new to me. But um, it's, it's the most important thing you'll ever do in your life. Ever do. It's to know for sure where I'll spend eternity when I die. Because guess what? We're promised that. If you don't know anything about religion, you don't know anything about God, you're going to die someday. It's, no matter if you're cryogenically frozen, you're unfrozen, you still die someday. Okay? 
We're all guaranteed debt. It's guaranteed death and taxes. It's always going to happen. We're guaranteed to die. I want. To, I don't know about you, but I want to know because there's something after this. I know it. The Bible says it. I believe it. It's heaven and it's hell. Both are real. Both are real places. The Bible says if I accept Jesus into my heart and I repented of my sin and turned to him and I accepted that gift, just like at Christmas time, you give him a gift. We love gifts, don't we? But if you ever accept that gift, it's never yours. You just look at it and go, wow, it's a great gift. Walk away. But it's got your name on it. Take the gift. I don't want it. That's dumb, right? It's full of gold. And you still turn it away? Wow, that's really dumb. That's what salvation is. God's there and goes, I have this free gift for you. All you have to do is accept it. Genuinely accept Ask you to come into your heart and to save you from your sins. Repent. Repentance is so simple. We try to make it so difficult sometimes. We're going one way in the world, all the sin we're doing, all the evil we're doing, and you just go, I'm going to repent. Repent means I'm going to go this way. I'm going to turn away from it. That doesn't mean I grab it and hold it and come with it. Pull with me. No. And I say all the stuff I'm doing, everything I'm doing, the stuff on the internet, wherever. Whatever sin it may be, lying, cheating, stealing, all the big ones, murder, whatever it is, I'm doing that stuff. If I completely turn away and I accept Jesus, it's all gone. I fully made that separation. I've repented. I've turned to him and said, Lord, I, I want you to come into my heart and to save me from all this. I'm going to accept you. That's going to be hard because sometimes the sin we're in is addictive. And we struggle with it. Yeah, I mean, it's going to tie, it's going to try to latch onto our back and hold us back. But we sever that tie at the point of salvation. Who's going to battle those battles for us now? Jesus. He's going to go, I'm going to, have you ever got to, we always tend to come back to our sins. But I'm saying at the point of salvation, he severed that. He's now our shield and our guard. And he goes, I will help you through this now. Let's keep going this way. Let's keep moving this way. Let's keep going towards Jesus. Let's get to Jesus like the woman said. The woman didn't go, I see Jesus down there, over here. I see Jesus, but I'm going to take all my physicians with me. I'm going to take some money with me. I'm going to take all the all the medicine I have. I'm going to bring that. Maybe he, he can use that to help me for my healing. For my healing. No, she just said, I'm done. I'm getting rid of all. I don't care what, who, who knows what it is. I'm going to Jesus. I'm getting to him. She cut all time. She repented of everything she had thought of. She sought God. Maybe that's what you'd say. That's what repentance is. It's turning away from the things we used to do. Seeking God. Grabbing a hold of Him. Asking Him to come into our heart and to save us from our sins. You've never had a moment in time you've ever done that. I'm preaching a little long in this, but the Lord just kind of put it on my heart. Is you've never had a moment in time you've done that. I've had a moment when I was 13 years old in Burlington, Pennsylvania, in a little church camp in my house at the kitchen table. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know that time. I don't know the date. I don't know the hour. That doesn't need it. That's just to help us as humans. But I had no place in time. It didn't, it didn't just happen because my parents were saved. It didn't just happen because um, I'm a good person and I go to church on a weekly basis. I'm faithful. It didn't just happen because of that. It's because I had a moment with God where I accepted him as my Savior. And that's you today. You need that. Don't hesitate to come ask me. Ask any of the men.